Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church, an outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. Praise God forever. Let's open in our Bibles tonight to the book of Daniel. We've been uh, doing a study in the book of Daniel. So let's just pick it up here. Daniel, the ninth chapter, verse 1. It says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord given through Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. So if you read over there in the book of Jeremiah, you'll see, I believe it's around the 25th chapter, he talks about God fulfilling 70 years or accomplishing 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. And so, of course, number one, he's talking about when the Babylonians came in, conquered Jerusalem, burned down the city, burned their temple down, broke down all the walls, left it desolate, took away, killed many, many Jews, and carried a bunch off into Babylonian captivity. So that's where Daniel is. He's in Babylon. And he's studying the scriptures. Now, of course, he doesn't have the whole word of God like you and I have. But somehow, he got his hands on the prophecies written by Jeremiah. And he saw that God had given this word. And he believed the word God had spoken. So, he knew that the time of their captivity had been accomplished. It had been fulfilled. It was time now for revival. It was time for deliverance. It was time to come out of Babylonian captivity and return to their native land, Israel. Rebuild the city and just experience a complete renewal, a complete revival. So he sees this in the Word of God, and what does he do? The Bible says in verse 3, Then I set my face towards the Lord God to make request by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments, we have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Now notice this. When Daniel sees what God had promised, that it was time for revival, he recognized the time and the season of Israel. He understood the time he was living in. He's like, this is it. But he didn't just say, praise God. <laughs> What's to be is to be. What God's going to do, God's going to do. If God wants to make it happen, he's going to make it happen. He's God, and he's going to have his way. 
And then he went off and just had a party. Went and ate the fat and drank the sweet, you know. Is that what he did? That's not what he did. He recognized God had made this promise and he knew that God had opened up his understanding to recognize this. He understood that he had a part to play in making it happen. He had a part to play in seeing it all come to pass. Now, we got a lot of folks out there that believe this is the time of a great revival, a great renewal, a great move of God, a great awakening. A lot of folks are talking about that in the church world. They're excited about it. But I got news for you, friend. It ain't going to just happen because God said it. Someone says, God said it, that settles it. No, that doesn't settle it. God said it, you've got to believe it. You've got to believe it. You've got to take hold of it. And you've got to receive it and see to it that it comes to pass. That's what Daniel's doing. That's what prayer is all about. Prayer isn't sitting back and saying, well, God made promises. Praise God. Hallelujah. And and that's it. Prayer is about taking those promises before the throne of God and saying, now, Lord, you said you made a covenant with us, and this is what you promised. And I happen to believe it, and I'm going to stand here and receive it until I see it. I'm going to stand on your word until I see what you said come to pass. That's what God needs. He needs people that will not rest day or night, but they'll stand up on the wall, the prayer wall, so to speak, and wait on God and look to God and expect from God the things that he promises. And it's through our faith God's will comes to pass. It's through our faith that God's word is made manifest in the world. God needs our faith. The church has to arise and take its place in the kingdom of God for such a time as this. This is our time. This is not the devil's time. This is our time. It's our time to take hold of what God promised us for this time. And he has promised us a great outpouring, a great move of God. And if you've been around here this year at all, you've heard several scriptures from the word of God that promise these things. From the book of Revelation to just a number of different scriptures, Hosea, different places throughout the Bible that I've covered just showing that this is where, we're, this is where we are. This is where we are. This is what God wants to bring to pass right now. Now, the devil has a plan. And there's things he wants to bring to pass. And if we don't do our part, the devil will have his way. He has his way in a lot of people's lives. God's not willing that any should perish, and yet people are perishing all the time. People are perishing all the time. That's not God's will. So why is it happening? Why is it happening if it's not God's will? Because people are letting it happen. The devil has taken people captive. He's plundering them. He's destroying their lives. People aren't fulfilling their purpose because they're giving the devil place by not taking their place in God's plan for their life. So we are those that rise up and take our place. And we need to recognize what God is doing and what the devil is attempting to do. We need to be able to discern the difference. We got too many people, from sheep to shepherds, 
throughout the body of Christ that are standing around. Well, what's to be is to be, you know, even like concerning this election. Well, you know, praise God, I'm, I'm going to be a Christian either way. You know, I'm saved. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Doesn't matter who gets elected. Doesn't matter who's going to be elected. I got news for you. It matters to God. Has a lot to do whether or not God's plan or purpose is going to come to pass in the earth. And we got this lazy, lukewarm, Laodicean church that's just throwing everything off on God and saying, well, it doesn't matter. Whatever's to be is to be. No, there's a place you have to take in God's purpose for this time. And you have to take hold of God's purpose and see to it that it comes to pass. And the devil doesn't have his way in the world. He can't have his way in your life. He's not going to have his way in my body. He's not going to have his way in your body, right? We're not going to let him have his way in our body. You know, I'm just reminded of Jesus. It just comes to my mind. Jesus, you know, he's in the temple. He walks into the temple and he sees that, you know, they're selling and they're buying and selling and doing all this stuff in the temple that that's not, that's not, that was not God's purpose. It was not God's purpose. Jesus got mad. He got so mad, he made a, cord, he made a whip out of some cords. And he went over and he began whipping those that had set up tables in God's temple to sell their merchandise. And he was overturning their tables and whipping people, chasing them out. Now picture that, folks. That's some serious passion. And why was Jesus like that? He understood the scripture and he cried out, It is written, My father's house shall be a house of prayer. But you've made it a den of thieves. He did something about it. He did something about it. Well, how many people know today our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? And the devil would try to get in there and be a thief, try to steal your health, try to put some kind of virus in you, try to make you sick, try to oppress you. That's what he would try to do. What do you got to do? Man, you got to get mad. You got you to gotta make a whip. You got to take the whip of the word. And you got to declare by his stripes, by whose stripes you were healed. No weapon formed against you will prosper. And just poke yourself while you do it. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. Right? And you got to declare the word of God. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the Lord. You've got to open your mouth and whip the devil, the thieves and robbers, out of God's temple, which is your body. But if you don't do it, he'll just hang out in there and he'll just make it a, a place of merchandise. But you've got to drive him out. Cast him out. Can you say amen? amen. We've got to take responsibility. We've got to get fired up about seeing the purpose of God come to pass. And when we see the devil trying to do something, we need to get mad about it. Mad enough to do something about it. Notice what Daniel did. Now, here, now let's look at Daniel for a moment. We've been talking about Daniel. Daniel has been elevated in the king's palace. I mean, he came there a captive, but now he's a ruler, and he's a very, very wealthy man. Very well-to-do, well-off. Okay, he is well taken care of. It isn't like he's some oppressed guy in Babylon, a captive, a slave, like most of the other Jews. No, no, no. He's 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 been elevated. 
He is highly honored and respected. And yet, notice what he did. Man, he got into fasting. Put on sackcloth. Ashes. I mean, wasn't, wasn't eating any pleasant food here. Why? Because even though he had all the wealth of Babylon and all the honors of this world, that isn't what motivated him. That was not his passion. The world, his job, the government, that was not his passion. His passion was the Lord. His passion was fulfilling the purpose of God for his life. And he was so passionate, you could see it in what he did. I set my face, verse 3. I set my face towards the Lord to make requests by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. That doesn't sound like fun. Fasting doesn't sound like fun, does it? Sackcloth and ashes? Sackcloth doesn't feel nice. It's very rough on your skin. It's very unpleasant. He put himself into a miserable position. He made himself miserable. He stepped away from all the nice silk, royal robes that he had. And he put on this stuff that just scratched him and irritated him and made him feel miserable. Because he wanted to take the place of God's people that were living in sin. That were in bondage. And so he came and identified with them. And became passionate about it. Notice what he says again in verse 5. We have sinned. Notice that. We have sinned. Now, man, how many know Daniel was an exceedingly righteous man? I mean, he had such faith in God that they threw him into a lion's den. And the lions didn't harm him. I mean, he was an amazing man of faith. Interpreted all kinds of visions and dreams. Incredible. Yet notice he says, we have sinned. See, he didn't say they have sinned. He says, we have sinned. He identifies with the people of God. He identifies with the people of God and committed iniquity. We, ever say we, we, have done wickedly and rebelled even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers and all the people of the land. Oh, Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us, Shame of face. That's what we deserve. You know, we don't deserve revival. You don't deserve revival. We don't deserve a thing. We deserve shame of face. But thank God for his mercy and his grace. His grace makes us worthy. It's his grace that makes us worthy. It's not we ourselves. We ourselves don't deserve anything. He talks about their unfaithfulness. Verse 8, O Lord, to us belong shame of face, to our kings, our princes, our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belongs mercy and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. I mean, you read the, the story of Daniel. I don't see someone that rebelled against God. But you see... He's identifying with the people of God. He's praying on their behalf. He's lifting up his voice as though it's their voice. On behalf of the nation. On behalf of the nation. I mean, he's taking on 
the burden of the nation, this one man. And he's doing it here in prayer. Verse 10, we have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. There's more of it in verse 11, more of it in verse 12. Keeps on going, keeps on going. Verse 17, now therefore our God, hear the prayer of your servant and the supplications. And for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary, which is desolate. So he's saying, look, we recognize we don't deserve your mercy, your grace, your goodness. We're crying out for mercy. And in your mercy now, let your face shine upon your sanctuary. Let your face shine upon your people. Let your hand come upon our land. Isn't that what he said over in the book of Chronicles? If my people, who are called by my name, if they'll humble themselves and pray. That's what Daniel's doing. Humble themselves and pray. And seek my face and turn from their wicked way. See, that's where most miss it. And turn from their wicked way. Then I'll hear from heaven and I'll heal their land. Man, God will take care of the entire nation if his people will humble themselves and pray and turn, turn, turn to God and turn away from the ways of this world, which is a wicked way. We're not to follow in the ways of this world. It's wicked and contrary to God. And there's so many Christians that have been following in the wicked ways of this world so long that they can't even tell it's wicked anymore. They can't even tell it's They can't even tell when wickedness is going on right in front of their face. They can't even see it. They think, what's the problem? I don't see what the problem is. They honestly don't see it. They couldn't tell the difference between the devil or Jesus Christ because they try to fellowship them with them both. They try to fellowship with them both. They're filling themselves up with Jesus at church, and then they're filling themselves up with the devil, uh, you know, by renting their movies and listening to their, to, the, to their garbage and being filled with all the worldly stuff. And they're just full of the devil, full of the devil's thoughts, the devil's ideas, the devil's philosophies, the devil's way of thinking and acting. Just full of it. Just full, of, full of the spirit of this world, full of a sensual demonic spirit. Don't even know it. Don't even know it. So sad. But you see, if God's people humble themselves, pray, and turn from their wicked ways, see, then they sanctify themselves, they set themselves apart unto God, see, then they can begin to see, and it becomes so easy to see. You, you kind of marvel at people. You think, you mean you don't see this? No, we don't see it. They have no idea. They don't have the foggiest idea. They can't, do, discernment has been sucked right out of them. They can't tell the difference. They have no discernment about them whatsoever. Friend, I'm not just talking about a few people. I'm talking about a lot of people. A lot of Christians. But for those that recognize it, those that sanctify themselves, those that can see clearly, we could cry out to God on their behalf. Daniel did. I got news for you. What Daniel did worked. What Daniel did worked. He took hold of the promise of God and he went into prayer. And this is how he prayed. prayed. This, this is how he made supplication. He stood in the gap. He, he, he identified with his people and their sins. And he brought them before God. And he repented to God. And then he asked God. After repenting. 
after repenting, after turning from wickedness, then, he said, now, shine on us. Revive us. Bring it to pass. Bring to pass what you promised. You wanted, this is what you want to do, God. And I know the only thing that can keep you from doing it is our wicked ways. Our sins. That's the only thing that can keep it from coming to pass. So I've just laid that out before you, confessed that before you, and received forgiveness and cleansing of it. And now, Lord, thank you. Thank you for performing your word, performing your covenant on my behalf and, and on behalf of this nation. And deliver us. Deliver us out of the darkness. Deliver us out from under the wicked. Set us free, God. And then it says, while he was praying... And he'd been praying for quite some time. It says in verse 20. Now while I was speaking, praying, and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, Israel. And presenting my supplications before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning... Being caused to fly swiftly reached me about the time of the evening offering. And he informed me and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill and understanding. Isn't that powerful? This is the same, this is the same Gabriel that appeared hundreds of years later to Mary. Isn't that awesome? Here he is. Time doesn't affect anything. He's, he's still here now. He's still here. And I love how it says, at the beginning of Daniel's prayer, he was caused to fly swiftly. In other words, God said to Gabriel, get to move. Move! Get to him quick. He was quick to respond to my word. He was quick to repent. He was quick to turn to me in faith. Now, you be quick to answer him. Go, swiftly. See, a lot of times folks want a swift response from heaven while they themselves say, yeah, no, I, I know I, I need to. I, I need to do that. Yeah, I know God wants me to do that. I, I, I just haven't done it yet. How many things are you putting off? How many things are you putting off? I mean, just do a little checkup on your life. Just go down and just look and say, am I doing everything I know to do? Just ask yourself that question. Am I doing everything I know to do? And if there's anything, you're, you know, no, I should be doing more of this or more of that or be doing this, then my question is, why aren't you doing it? What's taking so long? When are you going to do it? Man, I've been real busy, and it's just been, you know, I've had a tough time. Uh, okay. Well, the angels are busy too. Your answer is busy. So if we want swift answers, let's be swift to respond to God. Come on, somebody. People love the pastor responding swiftly to them when they call for the elders of the church, you know. They want the pastor to respond swiftly. He don't respond swiftly. He's like, he don't love us. He don't care. Well, how much do you love and you care for God's house, the plan of God, the word of God, and the purpose of God? Just a question. Just things to ask ourselves. Very practical. Something people usually don't ask themselves. And they stay in ruts. Let's get out of the ruts. Let's move. Let's get it done. Let's go. Come on. 
you got to sacrifice things, if you got to pray and fast, you got to burn something and make some ashes. Smear it all over you. Put some sackcloth on. Do something. But get this thing fixed. Stop trying to always make your flesh happy. That's a big part of the problem. People want to keep their flesh happy. Verse 23, at the beginning of your supplications, the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Don't you love that? Wouldn't you love to hear that from heaven? You are greatly beloved. Well, thank God the Bible tells us that we're accepted in the beloved. How people know Jesus is greatly beloved? And you and I are in him. And we're accepted in the beloved. So by being in faith concerning Jesus, we're as beloved as Jesus. That's greatly beloved. Oh, greatly beloved man. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. And he begins to lay it out before him. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for the holy city to finish the transgression, to make it end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. That's a lot. There's a lot we could say about this, and I just don't want to go there tonight when we're talking about anoint the most holy. It's twofold. This, you know, there's a meaning here concerning the past, but there's also things to show us concerning the future. And so uh, there's a couple things in the past. When we're talking about God's anointed, it was actually King Cyrus of Persia that actually was responsible for sending the children back to Jerusalem, back to the homeland, and he fully funded them. He took care of God's people to rebuild the temple. And so King Cyrus uh, was mentioned by the prophet Isaiah. This is amazing. Isaiah, hundreds of years, hundreds of years before Cyrus, Isaiah the prophet mentioned Cyrus by name. And called him the Lord's anointed. So of course it's talking about him. Because he was a big part of bringing revival to Israel. A Persian king. And then of course Jesus is the anointed one. And he came also. And he removed uh, iniquity. He brought in everlasting righteousness. We see that here. To seal up visions and prophecy. Of course he's the one that opened the seals in the book of Revelation. So there's a lot here. Know therefore and understand verse 25. That from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem. Until Messiah the prince. There shall be seven weeks. And 62 weeks. It's typically understood the 70 weeks. Seven weeks. Weeks is actually referring to years. The street shall be built again. And the wall. And the wall. Everybody say build the wall. Even in troublesome times. Interesting. After 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. So, of course, we know Jesus came. The Messiah came. He was cut off. His life was cut off from the earth. He became a sacrifice for you and I. He was crucified, died, was buried. And it was shortly after that, it wasn't long after that, 70 A.D., that the Roman Empire came in, led by Satan. 
and destroyed the city of Jerusalem and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood until the end of the war. Desolations are determined. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. I'm not going to go into all that, the details on that again. I might pick that up next time as I do chapter 8. We get more into the, into the visions and prophecies and things concerning the future and so forth. I want to move on into chapter 10 and still continue on the theme of prayer. In verse 10 it says, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel whose name was called Belshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was long and he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the sea of the great river, that is, the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with the gold of Euphaz. I think I said that right. Did I pronounce that right? His body was like burl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color, and the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. This is an amazing individual. Amazing individual. It says, I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore, I was left alone when I saw this great vision, and no strength remained in me, for my vigor was turned to few frailty in me, and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the sound of his words, and while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face, with my face to the ground. So he's just completely overwhelmed by this heavenly being that has manifested in front of him. Do you understand the kind of heavenly beings that surround us? Who God has set charge over us to keep us in all our ways, that protect us, that lead us and guide us through the valley of the shadow of death. These are the kind of creatures. Daniel is He's got his seeing it, and he's writing it down for you and I to understand what these angels are like. They're not these little baby-faced infants flying around with wings, with bow and arrows. That's not God's picture of an angel. That's a demonic insult to God's angels. They're incredible. They're fierce. Man, they're a terror to the wicked. The Bible says, bless the Lord, you his angels who excel in strength, heeding the voice of his word. We're the ones that give voice to the word of God and the angels heed it. This messenger is here. They're heeding the voice of the word that's being spoken by Daniel the prophet as he is praying. Again, he is fasting. He is determined to receive his answers from God. He is determined to get into faith. Now, fasting doesn't move God. But it can move us into faith. You know, your flesh really is your biggest enemy, even more than the devil. And your flesh will keep you from being in faith. It will try to keep you fleshy. 
You can't be in faith and be fleshy at the same time. Because to be in faith is to be in the spirit. So, so the flesh would keep you fleshy so that you wouldn't really be in faith. In other words, spiritual things aren't all that real to you. They're not as real to you as fleshy things. So Daniel, I mean, he's living in a very fleshly city around very fleshly people, and he's got all the luxuries of life to gratify his flesh. So he knows, I got to get out of this. I got to get into an uncomfortable place here, and I got to get down, and I got to get with God until I get into the place where I'm in faith enough to receive from him and to hear from him and to be led by him. And I want to be led by God, don't you? I want to be led by God. So he's doing what it takes to get into faith. Fasting will help you get into faith. Fasting doesn't move God to move on your behalf. God doesn't go, oh, they're fasting. Well, if you suffer a little bit more, I'll come. If you suffer a little bit more, I'll answer that prayer. God don't care whether you're suffering or not in that sense. That's not moving him to, to answer your prayers. Your faith moves him. And sometimes suffering in the flesh will help you to get into faith. Suffering, not by sickness, not by disease. That's not the kind of suffering that we're to suffer. But we are to, we are to suffer by sanctifying ourselves. By putting the flesh under, depriving the flesh of everything that it wants. Get into position where we can really hear from God, tune in to his spirit. Well, he tuned himself in really well. And now he's seeing this heavenly being. This being comes and touches him. He's trembling. And I really love this, verse 10. Said, then suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees, on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you. You know, a key to receiving from God is you got to know God likes you. Because if you don't know he likes you, then you're not going to really have the confidence that he's going to answer your prayers and he's going to help you. Man, you got to know, he not only likes you, you are greatly beloved because you are in his beloved son, Jesus. You are a part of his household now. You are a child of God. See, fasting and praying doesn't make you beloved. If you fast and pray and you do this and you do that, then you'll be beloved. Of God, Then God will love you more. See, if you act more like Daniel, you'll be loved more. No, 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 no. You couldn't earn God's love. I said, you couldn't earn God's love. No, like Daniel, you just got to receive it. I said, you just got to receive it. Praise God. God so loved the world while you were yet sinners. He loved you, died for you. Now you've received what he's done for you and are in his beloved son. You are beloved. Somebody say, I am greatly beloved. Say it again. Say it again. You got to know that. That's a big key to receiving from God. I'd be loved of God. God loves me. Well, you don't know what I did today. Yeah, but did you know what Jesus did for you? See? You need to get over in faith. Now, sometimes to get over in faith, you'll have to do some things. You'll have to do some things. Put your flesh under. Verse 11. And he said to me, O Daniel, man, greatly beloved, understand the words that I now, the words I speak to you, and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. 
while, I was, while he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for the first day, this is what I love, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have come because of your words. I'm, I've come to you because of what's come out of your mouth. Again, the Psalms. Bless the Lord, you his angels who excel in strength, heeding the voice of his word. God's word needs to become your word in your mouth. When he spoke God's word, this angel came said, I came because you were, if you weren't saying that, I wouldn't be here right now. See, there's a lot of things that won't happen unless we open our mouth. But thank God we can open our mouth. I think we can say it in another way as well. We can say, you know, we can rewrite this story for some people. And we can say, the devil came in and said, I've come because of your words. I've come into your life and I'm wreaking havoc in your life because of your words. That's what it means. Life and death is in the power of the... Man, we want life. We want angels of life. We want the spirit of life. That's what we want. Life, it's in your tongue. It's in your tongue. Why are we having all these problems? I don't know. Just go back and look at your mouth. Maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe it has something to do with it. Let's be speaking the right words. Right words bring the right spirit. Bring the right answers into our life. I have come because of your words. Now watch this, verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes. See, we're talking about principalities, powers, rules of the darkness, spirituals of wickedness in the heavenly place. How many know we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces in the heavenly places? Do you know that? See, it's not just flesh and blood. So, so here, the chief prince, Michael, he's talking about Michael the archangel. It's a spirit, this chief prince. And, and so therefore, the prince of the kingdom of Persia, We've seen that a few times here in the book of Revelation. The Persian Empire that would come. Well, notice the prince of the kingdom of Persia. That also is a spirit. But it's an evil spirit. It's a demonic spirit. How do you know that? Because it withstood this angel sent from God. And withstood Michael. The archangel. He said, I had been left alone with the kings of Persia, these demonic forces. Well, how many people know kings are rulers? How many people know we have rulers in our nation, in our world today? We don't call them kings, we call them politicians. Right? So we have these rulers, we have these politicians. But behind these politicians, behind these kings, are principalities and powers. There are spiritual forces behind them. So there are spiritual forces that are from heaven. And there are spiritual horses, forces that are from hell. So does it matter who gets elected? Well, it matters because it determines what kind of prince. What kind of principality. What kind of power. What kind of spirit. Is going to rule over this nation. And there are demon spirits that want to destroy your voice. Wipe out the 
the word of God from this land. There's a whole group of politicians. They've already taken sides against the word of God. They made it very clear. They've taken God out of our national anthem. I mean, they want, they want God removed from everybody. There's groups, they want to remove God from, from our currency and God we trust. They want to get rid of all of that. See? Why? Because there's demons behind them. There's demons behind them. Well, it just doesn't matter who gets elected. Well, it matters if, you if you're halfway spiritual. You'd understand. It matters. It matters. We see it mattering here. He says in verse 14, Now I have come to make you understand... Well, let's go back to verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. So notice that he says, I've come because of your words. But he said, from the first day you set your heart. From the first day you set your heart. And you begin to pray, pray and make supplications. He said, I was sent. But see now, we're, we're 21 days later. Daniel's still praying. He's still fasting. He's got some prayer people with him. They didn't see the vision. But fear, terror came upon them, Daniel said. So they were praying. And, uh, but it took 21 days before the answer came. Why? Because there was demonic interference going on in the heavenly places. Demonic interference. I just love these people. Well, you know, if it's to be, it's to be. If God wants to do it, God's going to do it. No, friend, there's, there's, there's demons that will try to keep things from coming to pass. There are angels that need to fight. There are angels that need to wage war in the heavenly realms against these demons that have authority through politicians, through people, in positions of power. We need angels to be released to fight against those demons to nullify the power and authority of those humans that are yielding to those demons. And that's not going to happen unless there are words being spoken. Because they come because of our words. So if we're not speaking words and we're speaking, well, whatever happens, happens. That's just fine with me. And we're just speaking and we're kind of in neutral. And we're not doing like Daniel. And we're not getting aggressive. And we're not getting passionate about it. And we're not really praying with fervency. And we're not declaring God's word. We're just praying our feelings. We're not declaring his promises and his covenant. Crying out for mercy. Turning from our wicked ways. Then nothing's getting done. Except demons. Demons are going to run roughshod over this nation. Take control of our country. We got to speak up. We got to fight. Somebody say we got to fight. It's time to fight, folks. It's time to fight the good fight of faith. We don't go out and smash things and break things and pitch a fit out in the, out in the streets like a little spoiled brat that didn't get his, didn't get his toy for Christmas. That's not what we do. No, 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 no. We don't just pitch a fit. We fight the good fight of faith. We, we get aggressive in the spirit. And I love what the Bible says over in Ephesians. Let's hold your place there. And look, look with me in Ephesians. I quoted it, but we want to look at it again. He, he says in uh, chapter 6, he says in verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or schemings of the devil. He's a schemer. You've got to be able to stand against his schemes. And remember, he doesn't just scheme alone. He schemes through people. See, that's how he affects our life. It's through other humans. He gets access into this world through other humans. That's why we don't yield to him. 
He's not going to get access through us. Holy Spirit gets access through us. Demons don't get access, but he does get access through a lot of other people. And they scheme and plot. But their schemes and their plots come from Satan, from demons. It says in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wild schemings of the devil. For we do not wrestle against or come against, actually. Flesh and blood, but against. We come against. Somebody say we're coming against. Yeah, man, we're not sitting back waiting for them to come against us. We're coming to get, oh, we don't want, I don't know, the devil's attacking me. Well, you deserve it. The only reason why the devil's attacking you because you're not attacking him. Why don't you attack the devil? Start attacking him with the word of God. That could set a lot of Christians free right there. The devil's just attacking me. Well, it's because you're not attacking him. But if you're attacking him, then he's going to be too busy trying to avoid you, running from you. And come against, we don't come against flesh and blood. See, we're not just dealing with humans, but against principalities and powers, against the rules of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore. Everybody say stand. Stand, stand. Sometimes you just got to stand. Stand your ground. Stand your ground. Don't give in to the lies and the schemings of the devil. Because the devil is lying and scheming about this election. That's sad to think that there's people in the dark about that and they can't see it. It's sad about that, but that's not going to hinder me from speaking the truth. Just because they're confused and don't understand these things. So he says, you know, we don't, we don't, we, the church shouldn't get involved in politics. Oh, okay. So the church shouldn't get involved in coming against principalities and powers and rules of the darkness and spirits of hosts wickedness. They should just go ahead and let the devil just run things in our nation. Yeah, tell that to Daniel. No, friend, we're all about politics. We're not just political, though. We're spiritual. We're, we're coming at it primarily, you and I, from a spiritual Stand forth and fight, standpoint and fight in a spiritual battle. And there'll be people that God will raise up, even maybe from this place, that will stand more in the natural side as well of the political battles that we face in our country. But for most of us, we will do most of our political fighting in the spiritual, in the spirit realm, in prayer, just like Daniel. And what Daniel accomplished in prayer, it brought about great victories in the natural. It changed kingdoms. It changed everything for his nation. That's what happened. Didn't come right away, but thank God he knew how to stand. You and I need to know how to stand. There's been so many things that have been spoken. God's been so good. We pray very aggressively here on Tuesday nights. Gene leads it primarily. And uh, there's been all kinds of utterances that have come forth, even concerning some of the things we're facing right now. Man, it's just wonderful. You know, the Bible says over in John's gospel that Jesus said, he said, the Holy Spirit, he'll come. He'll lead you into all truth, and he will tell you of things to come. Just like he did with Daniel. Man, he told Daniel so many things that were to come. Daniel didn't just sit back. Daniel prayed about these things. He prayed about these per- the Persian Empire. He prayed about the Roman Empire. He prayed about it. Daniel took the things that God showed him, and he prayed through the best he understood it. 
He spoke out things. God showed him these things, not just to write it down for you and I, but so these things can be spoken out. Things can be declared. So God shows us things so we can do something about it, not just to say, oh, praise God, we know it's going to happen. We know it's going to happen. Now we mix our faith with what we know, and we stand in faith concerning those things. You know, God doesn't just do whatever. Again, the heavenly realm responds to what we do here on the earth. So they shouldn't have done that, but because they did, now I'm going to do this. Praise God. We vote God. We don't vote the devil. We vote angels. We don't vote demons. See, that's what, it's, that's what we do, because we know we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces in the heavenly places. So that's where our focus needs to be at the, as the church. So that's why you've got to watch by filling yourself up with so much of the news of this world because they don't have a heavenly perspective. We've got to make sure we keep our heavenly perspective with everything that's going on. Can you say amen? amen. Praise God. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.